This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hey, MD Nation, this is your host, Dan Mater, and I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Restaurant.com. With Restaurant.com, you can save at thousands of restaurants across the country with just a few clicks. Their dining deals range from $5 to $100, never expire, and cost you a fraction of the face value. Dinner has never been easier with Restaurant.com. Use for dine-in, takeout, or delivery. Restaurant.com is offering our listeners 50% off of their next purchase. Go to www.restaurant.com slash podcast. Again, that's www.restaurant.com slash podcast for 50% off your next purchase. Restaurant.com, the best deal for every meal. And now for the show. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. We're back with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we are talking about the Sunday Night Recap. The Monday Night Recap. And of course... The all-important waiver wire report as we move on into week five now. Can't believe we're already at week five. We're already almost at the halfway point of fantasy football of the NFL. A little bit of a rocky start, especially this week to get here, but we've gotten here so far. So keep knocking on wood that it continues the way that it's going. Now, I should first start off the show saying I know there's two Monday night games. And we're going to be previewing or recapping, I should say, the Chiefs and Patriots game. I live on the East Coast. 
I have to go to sleep at some point. I like doing these shows Monday nights. So that way they're available for you guys first thing Tuesday morning. So the Packers-Atlanta game is going on as we speak, as recording this on Monday night. So I wanted to lead off with that because we're not going to recap that game. If anything significant were to happen as far as injuries go, as far as you know, needing to make an extra additional waiver claim because of an injury, make sure you're following us at BellyUpMDFFShow on Twitter, and we'll keep you up to date on all those things. The good news is with the Green Bay Packers and the Atlanta Falcons game, we kind of know where we stand on fantasy value-wise, right? We know Julio's a wide receiver one. We know Adams is going to get rested up. He'll probably be 100% in week six coming out of the bye. I think that was a big reason why the Packers wound up not playing him was because they know they could get him pretty much 100% coming into week six. We know Aaron Jones is a stud. We know Aaron Rodgers is a stud. We know Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a boomer bust wide receiver three player. We know Russell Gage is establishing himself as a high-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three, PPR type of fantasy football player. We know Calvin Ridley's a stud. We know Todd Gurley's an R, uh, a touchdown-dependent RB2. I think the only question that we're not really going to get the recap tonight is necessarily how much does Brian Hill play after last week? Is this truly a committee moving forward? I think it's really the only question that people are going to be watching this game to kind of find out. And we're going to keep you up to date on that. We're going to talk about Brian Hill a little bit in the waiver wire segment of this show anyway. So that's the good news there. It's, it's pretty cut and dry what your fantasy value is for this guy. It's the only thing we really need to recap is if there's some kind of injury, which as of recording this right now, we're you know about into the second quarter here, almost into the halftime. There hasn't been any so far. So that's that's the good news there, just to kind of keep you guys up to date with where we're at right now. What we do need to talk about before we jump into the Sunday night recap, though, is we have some injury news from around the league, right? We had Austin Eckler, severe hamstring. What we kind of figured, the official timeline on him came out today. It was four to six weeks. Not completely unsurprising. We're going to talk about, you know, the Chargers backfield, what to do with it a little bit later on in this show in the waiver wire report section. And then the other piece of news that came out today was Nick Chubb. Was an ACL. We weren't expecting it to be an ACL, but it was a... MCL sprain. He is placed on IR, so he's going to miss a minimum of three weeks. And his timeline is being reported at around six weeks. Now, that's what's being reported at. As far as the coaching staff went, they did not want to say definitively six weeks. They put him on IR, so you know it's going to be at least three weeks. Um, I think Stefanski kind of left the door open a little bit, saying, I know who Nick Chubb is. I know how he prepares, how he works out kind of left it up there like maybe Nick Chubb's one of those players that could possibly be able to return a little bit before the initial timeline is made. Nick Chubb owners are going to be hopeful of that. And again, that's another backfield that we're going to talk about heading into uh, the waiver wire report today. On some good news, Kenyon Drake, he only got the wind knocked out of him. There were some question marks. Did he really get banged up at the end of that game? No, he's going to be fine. He's going to be good to go. He was already at the team facility today working out. He's going to be just fine. Chris Carson's going to be just fine. So outside of Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb, there aren't too many other injuries to really worry about as far as long-term goes from yesterday. So considering how the last two weeks went, kind of mild, now, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, those are two huge names. They're going to miss a significant amount of time and really going to affect your fantasy leagues and what you need to do. So make sure you're sticking with us because we're going to help you get through that. But all things considered, over the past two weeks, 
relatively small in the number of fantasy-relevant players who went down due to injury this past week. I think we can all agree with that. So now we've recapped you on that injury news that came out earlier today. We can talk about the Sunday night game. We can talk about the Eagles. We can talk about the 49ers. We get, we'll start on the 49ers side of the ball. They wound up losing this game. I don't know why they were seven-point favorites. I On the DC's DFS show, I picked the Eagles as my upset pick of the week. Now, I wish I would have said outright, and I was feeling outright, but because I got burned on picking the Giants to an outright against the 49ers last week because it was their B squad, I wasn't going to take the same chance this week. So while I recognized that I still wanted to go to the Eagles as my upset pick over the 49ers, I took the points. I went plus seven. They wound up winning this game outright. 49ers finally looking like a little bit more of a B squad than they did against the New York Giants. Nick Mullins winds up getting benched. He had a touchdown for two picks, 200 yards. C.J. Bathard did give the San Francisco 49ers a chance at the end of the game to try to get their way back into it. Was a lousy onside kick away from trying to make it a thing. And they were able to get the ball back. And they were driving. So there were some positive things about C.J. Bathard. We don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to come back this week. And frankly, when we were listening to Kyle Shanahan's comments earlier today, he didn't leave you with a whole lot of confidence. Not just about Jimmy Garoppolo coming back this week, but he didn't leave you with a whole lot of confidence about Raheem Mostert definitely being able to make a return, which a lot of people had this week pegged as a possible uh, return for him. We're going to have to watch him throughout the patch report. Uh, same thing goes with Richard Sermon. Not that it matters from a fantasy football standpoint, but he didn't seem very optimistic on any of those guys being able to return in Week 5. Very interesting. Especially against the Miami Dolphins. Which brings us to Jared McKinnon. If Raheem Mostert can't, in fact, come back, Jarek McKinnon is the lead guy in this backfield. And that, I kinda, this, kinda, this game pretty much proved that because they were coming from behind. It was in game scripts. And McKinnon didn't get hurt in this game like he did last week, which last week, if you remember, when McKinnon got knocked out because of an upper rib injury that clearly wasn't that severe, but got knocked out because of an upper rib injury early on that fourth quarter, that's when Jeff Wilson Jr. got the majority of his touches. In this game, where McKinnon doesn't get injured at all, plays all four quarters, Jeff Wilson was hardly involved in any capacity of this football game. So if McKinnon's going to be the guy against the Miami Dolphins, guess who's going to be an RB2 next week? So something to kind of keep in mind there. And for the fourth game in a row, he's able to score in this one. Giving you that flex appeal that you were hoping for in a tough matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. There's not a team you can run on very well. They didn't have great success, only 3.9 yards a carry, but 14 carries, 54 yards. Still finds the end zone. The biggest thing is that he was hugely involved in the passing game. Not surprisingly, Seven catches, 43 yards, eight targets. That's one of his best attributes. He was the second most targeted pass catcher in this game behind, of course, George Kittle, which, welcome back, George Kittle. 15 receptions, 183 yards, a touchdown on 15 targets. Talk about that efficiency. It's clear that this offense this, this offense against the Philadelphia Eagles last night was just like, hey, we're going to throw the George Kittle, and if he's not open, we're dumping it off. The receivers weren't very involved in the passing game. Debo Samuel, he makes his return. He comes back. He had three catches, 35 yards, and three targets. Brandon Ayuk had five targets, only two catches for 18 yards. They got more involved in the rushing game. Brandon Ayuk had a beautiful run on a jet sweep there on an end around. A one, you know, one carry, 38 yards, had a touchdown on a beautiful, beautiful leap where he just jumped over the defender. This is where Brandon Ayuk and his fantasy value becomes tough. We are going to talk about him a little bit in the waiver wire report. 
But if these receivers are going to be this involved in the rushing game, and not that that's unlike Kyle Shanahan to do so, but they're going to need it to supplement some of their offensive value because outside of George Kittle, I don't know if there's a pass catcher on this team that you can really trust yet. We didn't see much out of Debo Samuel in this game. I didn't leave this week feeling like, oh, I can definitely play Debo Samuel now in week five now that he's back. No, 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 no. We still need to see him get work back in. He still needs to get into game shape. He still needs to get more involved. We still need to see if he's truly healthy coming off that Jones fracture now that he's playing week to week. So he didn't leave this week feeling like you could definitely play Debo Samuel here. But it also didn't take away from what Brian Ayuk was necessarily going to do either. That was George Kittle. So it remains to be seen when it comes to the 49ers passing attack. Plus, you have to take consideration, you're really not going to know anything until Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. Who's going to be his guy? Who is he going to lean on when it comes to the wide receivers? So there's a lot still to be determined for the 49ers until guys like Mostert, guys like Garoppolo are able to get back into the lineup. You actually see them at full strength moving forward for their fantasy value. Just for now, until Mostert comes back, Jerick McKinnon is a solid play. And, you know, George Kittle's a superstar. Outside of that, everything's going to be very matchup and roster construction dependent. Now, if you move over to the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball, finally getting a win, I'll mention real quickly how pathetic, and everyone knows this and everyone's commented on this, but how pathetic it is that they can go 1-2-1 and and be on top of a division. Because that's how bad the NFC East is right now. The Dallas Cowboys are really an an oxymoron when it comes to that because you look at that offense, it's a superstar-level offense. That's just how bad their defense is. It's ridiculous. Something's going to have to get corrected there at some point. I still believe it's going to be Dallas who winds up winning this division this year. But for now, because the Eagles had the tie with the Cincinnati Bengals, because Doug Peterson played for the tie, not for the win, they're in first place. All those people who killed him for playing for the tie instead of the win, well, guess what? They're in first place now because of it. Otherwise, they'd be tied with, with Washington. They'd be tied with Dallas at 1-3. and three. So, taste on that, Eagle fans. Because <laughs> the bashing... I live in the area. The bashing that's been going on has been absolutely horrendous for Doug Peterson ever since that Cincinnati Bengal game. And I just kind of laughed at myself because I'm, I'm a 49ers fan and I didn't really expect us to do much in this game. That's why I picked the Eagles in an upset. Uh, but to just sit there and listen to them kill him for playing for a tie instead of going for the win, I'm like, yeah, there's also a decent chance if you don't if you don't get it that you would have lost too. And now you're in first place because of it. But getting back on the fantasy football side of things, Carson Wentz here. You weren't gonna play him in this game. He does wind up having another decent fantasy day once again because of his legs. And through the air, it wasn't great. 193 yards, a touchdown, interception, but he tacked on 37 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown. That is the one thing you have to keep your eyes on right now with Carson Wentz. While it has not been pretty by any stretch of the means when it comes to the passing game, because he's actually been taking off and running, he's been using his athleticism again, which is something we haven't really seen him do too much of since he had his ACL injury, he's giving himself actually a decent little floor that you weren't really expecting to have right now. I'm in quite a few leagues where Carson Wentz was actually dropped, and I was against that idea. Because he's a very good quarterback, he's going to get things turned around. He's going to be in the top 12 more times than not. But he's offering a floor now that I don't think anybody was anticipating, especially the people who dropped them, and that is that he's just running around with his legs, and he's using it to score touchdowns. 
Now, I want to get, play him against a better matchups than San Francisco 49ers, and that'll come. You know why? Because they haven't played the East yet, other than Washington in Week 1. So the the good matchups, the high-end streaming matchups, I guess, at this point, or the low-end QB1 matchups, if you still kept Carson Wentz on your team, are on the way. So that's the good news there. You know who else might be on the way this week is Alshon Jeffrey. It's either going to be this week or next week. I have to imagine, because otherwise... The Eagles not putting him on the pup list are going to look really dumb if he doesn't wind up coming back before week six. He did a little bit more in practice last week. It still didn't seem like he was close to returning last week, but he did a little bit more. If he does a little bit more this week, given the desperate situation that they are in, I have to imagine that there's a decent chance Alison Jeffrey's going to play. So we're going to have to wait and see. He may have help on the way. Deshaun Jackson was day-to-day last week. There's a decent chance he could be back off of his hamstring next week as well. So there's reinforcements on the way, even though that offensive line is destroyed. And boy, did it show. Because the 49ers defensive front, while very solid, not great right now. Because remember, they don't have Nick Bosa. They don't have a number of guys. They lost uh, Ziggy Ansah in this game as well. The offensive line was still unable to get a push against a... Solid defensive line, not a great defensive line. So, Miles Sanders, 13 carries, 46 yards on three and a half yards carry. The killer with Miles Sanders is that he was not as involved in the passing game, especially in this particular game as I thought he was going to be. Two catches, 30 yards on four targets. With knowing that they just have Greg Ward and Zach Ertz, who we're going to talk about in a minute, as they're really their only real pass catchers to go to, I kind of thought Miles Sanders was going to walk into six to eight targets in this game, minimum. And that didn't happen. They didn't run a lot of screens. They didn't try to take advantage of the blitzing San Francisco defense. So part of this is that they're depleted. Also, part of this is that their play calling hasn't been the same this year, hasn't been previous years. Now, better days are ahead for Miles Sanders. I'm not worried about this as far as his fantasy value moving forward. It's just a little disappointing. You're going to want to see him get more involved in the passing game, especially when they're down to this few of legitimate pass catchers to throw the ball to. Remember last year when it was just Greg Ward and Zach Ertz? Well, you know, it was also Miles Sanders getting six to eight targets per game as well. That's what made him so fantasy valuable down the stretch last year. Wasn't what necessarily what he was doing on the ground. It was the fe- it was the combination of the two. But better days are ahead. Now we have to get into Zach Ertz. We have to get into Greg Ward. Now Greg Ward, he only has flex PPR only scoring value if Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson continue to miss. If they are back this week, you drop Greg Ward immediately. Not that he's heavily owned. So just uh, that's why I'm not going to hit the dump button, but. Make sure you drop him immediately if Alshon Jeffrey and or Deshaun Jackson come back this week. That's number one. Number two, Zach Ertz. You have to continue to play him. He's a tight end one still. It's very Jekyll and Hyde when you get outside of the top nine tight ends, I want to say. I don't know what you're going to pick up off the waiver wire and stream. It's truly going to be better, a better option than Zach Ertz is. The volume's still going to be there. It's still going to be a long time before Dallas Goddard comes back. Having said that, once Dallas Goddard comes back, I'm going to be very concerned. Because Zach Ertz, although he's not old, Zach Ertz, to me, looks like a 35-year-old tight end who looks washed up and done with football. He looks like Jason Witten now out there. That's what Zach Ertz looks like to me. 
I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it, but he seems slower for some reason. And there's no reports of him being banged up. There's no reports of him being out of shape. But he doesn't seem as explosive. He doesn't seem like he's running as crisp routes. He doesn't seem like he's getting separation. He doesn't look like he has his legs under him. And I don't know really what to make of it because he's he's not had a major injury. He's not that old where the cliff should have fallen off all of a sudden. But that's what it's appeared like. Now, I don't know if there's a combination of the entire Eagles offense doesn't look good and he's just a part of that. But it's concerning to me. Concerning to me enough where if Zach Ertz has a big game before Dallas Goddard comes back, he's probably going to be a sell-high candidate of mine. He's going to be someone I'm going to see if I can move on from him. If I can pick up maybe a Janu Smith. If there's an Eagles fan in my, you know, my fantasy line in my fantasy leagues. See if you can pick up a Janu Smith and a and something. A, you know, a wide receiver three or four, an RB three or four kind of deal. If he has a big game, you, I'm going to look to try to see what I can sell Zach Ertz for. I'm going to look at what I need, and I'm going to see what I can sell him for. Obviously, you need to take into account what your tight end situation is going to be. Are you going to be able to, package, are you going to, be able to trade him for a tight end and something in return? Or can you trade him for a wide receiver two, RB2, assuming that he's coming off of a big game in one of these upcoming weeks? And then be able to stream a tight end. And that's going to be completely dependent on what's available on your waiver wire. So be smart about it. But if he has a big week in the next couple of weeks, I might be tempted in looking into trying to sell him high. Can't do it right now, obviously. But just kind of like I warned you guys about OBJ heading into the week, the second he has a big week against Dallas, like sell him high. I'm telling you that right now with Zach Ertz. The second he has a big week while Dallas Goddard's gone, I'm going to be tempted to sell him high. So just a little word of advice moving forward. That's pretty much all we need to talk about as far as the Sunday night game goes. We're going to take a little bit of a quick break, come back on the other side. We'll talk about the Monday night game right after this. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back. As always, you are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And as always, I am your host, Dan Mater. We just got done recapping the Sunday night game. Now we're going to talk about the one Monday night game that I'm able to stay awake for the entirety of it. And that was the Patriots and the Chiefs. Again, we're recording this Monday night while the Packers and the Falcons game is going on. Because I frankly cannot stay up that late and be able to record this podcast so it's available to you. Uh, first thing Tuesday morning. And the most important part of this episode in particular is the waiver wire report anyway. So if there's anything that significant happens in the Atlanta Packers game, just follow us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. We'll make sure you're all up to date and good to go as far as everything is concerned there. So let's recap this Monday night game, this scheduled on-the-fly Monday night game, this game where the New England Patriots had to fly, arrive, and play all in the same day against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's absolutely brutal. We have a lot of things to talk about with the Patriots, right? First of all, they look lost without Cam Newton. That's on offense. That's just number one. They don't have enough offensive firepower to not be able to have Cam and his legs and his playmaking ability to be able to do what they need to do. Brian Hoyer didn't play well. 15 of 24, 130 yards, had an interception. Jared Stidham did okay. 
He came in, he threw a touchdown, got him back in the game for half a second, threw one interception. Now, that first interception was right off of Julian, ha- Julian Edelman's hands. So if you didn't watch this game or if you missed the end of this game, his first interception was not Jared Sidham's fault in any capacity. Julian Edelman set up for the pass. He looked at the defender instead of actually keeping his eyes on the ball. It bounced off of his hands and landed right in Tyron Matthews' hands, who then took it for a pick six to the house. Not Jared Sims' fault. The second pick, however, was. And that's pretty much what wound up icing the game after that. So we're probably looking at at least one more week that Cam Newton's not going to be able to play because of the COVID situation. I would be really surprised if he was able to come back in week five. I believe the protocol is that they have to go to 10, excuse me, they have to go to 10 days in quarantine. So if that's the case, they didn't find out until Saturday, unfortunately, about Cam in the first place. So he would have to go through protocol. I don't see any way he's able to come back week five for this matchup. So it's going to be another week of either Hoyer or Jared Stenham. Which one it's going to be, I don't think we're going to know that until later on this week. I don't think we're going to know that until practice. This is something that might not get announced until Friday because neither one looked good. And you might want to lead Jared Stidham's wage because he's the younger guy. You still want to see what you might have for the future because remember, Cam's still not the future long term anyway. But they're also in a position where they're fighting for the playoffs. They want to try to win now. Well, I'll say this for being a veteran, Brian Hoyer, the, the biggest knock on him in this game is that he was not very situational aware. And that's, that's the big, you're going to be the veteran. You've been around this league how long? You've had success in this league. Your situational awareness needs to be a hell of a lot greater than what it was in last night's in the Monday night game with Brian Hoyer. So that's where I think it's kind of interesting where it could be Jared Stenham, who does have some mobility, and maybe you could run a closer version to the Cam Newton offense that you have been running with Stidham rather than Hoyer. So that's what's going to be kind of interesting to see what they wind up doing there. Now, regardless of all of that, I don't care which one the quarterback is. Julian Edelman has to be viewed as a wide receiver three in half point, full point PPR leagues. And he's still going to be the volume guy at the end of the day. I know that in this game in particular, Demir Bird actually had 10 targets for five catches and 80 yards and wound up walking away with a decent game. It should still be Julian Edelman who is going to be the top target moving forward. I have no no doubts about that. So I'm not worried about that aspect of it as far as Julian Edelman and his involvement goes heading into week five. Demir Bird is still just a guy. He's nothing I'm, I'm worried about. He's nothing I'm picking up for fantasy football purposes unless I'm in super deep leagues or I'm insanely desperate. The guy who I do want to talk about a little bit, though, is James White. Seven catches, 38 yards, eight targets. He's been Obviously, he's been missing the last two weeks because of a family tragedy. And I expected him to be featured in this game, and he was. In the passing game, at the very least. Now, whether it's Brian Hoyer or whether it's Jared Stenham, I can expect James White to have a solid floor as a PPR flex running back because I'm going to expect him to be heavily involved. I'm going to expect him to be the second or third passing targeted player on this team, frankly. So he's somebody who might have a little bit of value for you in a week that we have our first buys with the Packers and the Detroit Lions. Something to kind of keep your eye on. Now, when Cam comes back, I still don't know what James White's value truly is. But Hoyer and Stenham are guys who 
have a history of being able to dump the ball or wanting to dump the ball, I should say, down to the running back. So something to kind of keep note of, that he was clearly the third down back, clearly the passing down back. Now, as far as the backfield itself, Damian Harris time. I tweeted about this before the game. and it was When they put Sonny Michelle on the IR, where he's going to be out for at least three weeks with a thigh issue, and Damian Harris is going to be activated, and they expected Damian Harris to have a good amount of carries, and they mentioned that before the game ever even started. I tweeted out that this could be the era of Damian Harris starting tonight. And I don't I didn't see anything tonight to make me waver off of that in any kind of capacity. 17 carries for 100 yards. Physically, just physically, he looks way better than Sony Michelle. Just just from a physical standpoint because he was bottled up actually pretty well in the first half, but just from a physical explosive standpoint, he has another gear that Sony Michelle does not have. Now, I don't know if it's cuz the thigh issue's been bothering him this whole time, he's been trying to play through it. But he looks better than Sonny Michelle, just from a physical standpoint. And then had a good game on top of it in this one. And they're going to need to lean on that running game. I think what was interesting, and it was part of the game plan against the Kansas City Chiefs, I guess. Rex Burke had 11 carries for 45 yards in this game. So they just they had a lot of carries to go around. But Damian Harris, I think, is somebody you actually can value as an RB3 starting tomorrow. And could have potential for more than that down the road. Now, he has the ability to catch the ball. I still don't know how involved he's going to be in that aspect of the game because they're going to want James White to continue in that role, and James White is going to have that role carved out for him. So I just I don't know how often Damian Harris is going to be in position to be able to get a ton of reception. So it's going to have to come on the ground. But he's definitely better than Rex Burkhead. He looks way more explosive than Sony Michelle. And I think this is a guy whose value, like I said, is just going to be trending up week after week. This is first week back. This is the first game in the 2020 season. And he looked great. So Damian Harris is somebody you better believe is going to be on the waiver wire report when we talk about that in a little while. And what I would do to get him right now, especially after this game. Rex Burkhead, you can go ahead and you can drop him. He was a nice little run. I know some people had to play him this week in the flex because of certain circumstances. I get it. But if Damian Harris is going to look this good, James White's going to have the receiving role carved out. I don't know when or if or how you'd ever want to play Rex Burkhead in your lineups. I don't see it. So something else to kind of keep in mind there. Go ahead and drop him. Nikhil Harry winds up with the touchdown, but until Cam Newton comes back, I do not believe Nikhil Harry is somebody who necessitates targets his way. I don't think he's somebody who's going to be targeted a lot by a Brian Hoyer or a Jared Stenham, two guys who typically do not throw the ball down the field, do not have strong arms, and do not throw 50-50 balls. They are two guys that like to throw to the guys that they see come open. That's why Julian Edelman should have better days ahead with these two at the quarterback position. Hopefully, we only have to endure this one more week if you have any of the Patriot fantasy players anyway, but that's my expectation from their schematics moving forward. On the Chiefs' side of the ball, hey, you know what? The Patriots, I think they played better defense than the Chargers did in Week 2. I mean, their defense really played great and bottled up the Chiefs pretty well in this matchup. It was was quite impressive, in fact. And had the Patriots had Cam Newton, I think they would have won this game. Because the biggest reason why the Chiefs actually wound up winning this game is just because the Patriots had nothing offensively to really be able to challenge them. And that's really what it kind of boiled down to. So if they had Cam Newton, I think the Patriots actually would have wound up winning this game. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Because they had a great game plan to at least limit the Chiefs. Now, having said all that, Patrick Mahomes, 236 yards, two touchdowns, rushes for 28 yards. If this is the worst Patrick Mahomes game of the year, which it very well might be, um, you're going to be happy about that, without a doubt. Tyreek Hill scores again, again. Four catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown on six targets. Travis Kelsey, three catches, but still managed to get you 70 yards, so he still has an okay fantasy day. Six targets. You know you're going to play Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey every single week. You know you're going to play Magic Mahomes. And you know you're going to play Khaled Edwards-Hilaire, who also kind of had a tougher game on the ground. He hasn't quite been the RB1 that a lot of people out there wanted him to be. Remember this show, I kept saying he's an RB2 because... I didn't believe the carry volume was going to be there to the point where he's going to be staring at 250 carries. I don't think he's built that way. And this is still a pass-first offense. He has to be incredibly... He has to be like Austin Eckler. He has to be half and half, basically, as far as his involvement in the rushing game and the passing game go. He's going to have better days ahead, though, having said that. 16 carries, 64 yards, does tack on three catches for 27 yards, has a floor game. A lot of Chiefs players had a floor game in this matchup. You know better days are ahead. You're not going to worry about those guys from a fantasy standpoint. The only guy that I want to talk about a little bit is Sammy Watkins. Four catches, 43 yards. And I know what a lot of people are saying. Like, well, that's a Sammy Watkins line. That's why we can never trust to play him. Seven targets, guys. And nobody on the Chiefs really had a great game. He actually still led the team in targets. He is running these short, intermediate routes. When Patrick Mahomes checks the ball down and throws it shorter which is something he's been doing more and more of so far this season, becoming more of a complete quarterback. Sammy Watkins is getting those looks. And from a physical standpoint, he's looked good. He's looked healthy. I think he is somebody who is in that wide receiver three, wide receiver four territory that you can play on a good offense that you know he's going to see a decent amount of volume on in your flex, especially with injuries and bye weeks. He's a guy who needs to be rostered. Plain and simple. And I think there's certain situations you're going to be able to play him, like next week against the Raiders, most likely. So, Sammy Watkins, I'm not going to be deterred from him. Especially when you're talking about wide receiver three, wide receiver four. You could do a lot worse. You could do a lot worse. So that's my fantasy analysis, I guess, for you moving forward is that the only person of question is Sammy Watkins and I would roster him and feel confident playing him in certain situations down the road. 
So that's going to wrap up the Monday night recap. Again, like I said, we will, if anything significant comes out of the Atlanta Green Bay game, we'll either talk about it on here while recording it because it's going on right now, or we will get you up to date on social media at Show. We're going to take one more quick break, come back on the other side. we got the waiver wire report for you guys. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on WWSRN. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We are also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. And we are getting into now, we're getting into the waiver wire report, the most important part of the show, the most exciting part of the show, because this is when we officially say goodbye to the previous week and hello to the upcoming week, upcoming to the new challenges, to the new opponent. We have two teams officially on bye this week, not scheduled on bye on the fly, but actually were predeterminedly scheduled on a week five bye, and that's the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. So you're going to have those players you have to worry about and replace in your lineups, along with some of your injuries, and along with guys that have just flat out underperformed to this point, which is why the waiver wire report is so important. Now we've said goodbye to the first quarter of the season. We're now in a situation where we are about to enter primetime playoff race for your fantasy football leagues. We're about a couple more weeks away before it is all hands on deck, mad dash to the playoffs in your leagues. If you're sitting one and three, or you're sitting zero and four right now, it you're gonna have to make some moves. This is the time you played the first quarter of the season. You got to see how your team stacks up. You got to see where your weaknesses are. You got to see how things play out. If you're sitting at zero and four, one and three, unlike the previous four weeks, now it's time to hit a little bit of the red alert button. I'm not full on panic. I'm never full on panicked unless I am zero and five. If I'm zero and five, then I'm full on panic. Then I am sending out. Everybody I possibly can, because in my experience, most teams that make the playoffs have to at least be 7-6, and six, but generally speaking, if you can make 8-5 and five on your record, then you can make the postseason. If you're 0-5, then all of a sudden you're in a position where you've got to win 8 straight. That's when I'm just shipping off everybody I can and trying to change up a whole new team midseason. So that's why if you're 0-4, 1-3, you're kind of on that cusp mark of having to hit the full panic button. This is where I'm trying to see who can I move. Do I have a very valuable piece? Do I have to get creative? Do I have to play a little bit more money ball? Or do I have to be able to be staying diligent on the waiver wire by just a few moves away from a team that has maybe had bad luck? There's plenty of 1-3 and 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 0-4 teams out there that have found themselves in situations where they've played against the top scorers of the leagues for each week. That happens a lot. Where your team is actually amongst one of the top half in scoring points for, but you've just had terrible luck in the opponents that you've had to match up against for the first few weeks. If that's the case, then that's going to balance itself out. Then I'd be a little less panicked. And then I'm going to play. The, I'm just going to continue to play the waiver wire report. If you've been about midway of the pack and you haven't had the most points scored against you, then I'm going to be looking for players that I can move on from and pick up and try to get better moving forward or possible trades out there. So that's just my fantasy advice to you guys in a general aspect as we head into our Week 5 matchups. And remember, we'll be there with you every step of the way. If you have any questions, make sure you contact us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. Keep in mind, this week, I'll mention this now, and I'll mention this again at the very end, we 
will not be there on Friday. Normally speaking, we have our Thursday and Friday show from 12 o'clock to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at WWSRN. We are only going to be live on Thursday because I'm going away for the weekend with my wife. So we're going to be doing the entire Week 5 preview matchup on Thursday. So we're going to encapsulate all the way from the Thursday night game to the Monday night game. Obviously, we won't be as up-to-date on the injury report in that in that episode. But just because I won't be able to record the show doesn't mean I'm not still going to be available to you on social media. Those player news update notifications will still be coming out. And you will still be able to contact me, and I will still help you with your teams, your lineups, whatever your questions may be. So just get that out there now and make sure you guys are aware. Now that we've done that, remember, Waiver Wire Report, when we talk about this, we talk, we take all of the major platforms, ESPN, CBS, NFL, Yahoo, we average them all out, and we take the players that are less than 50% owned. And then we put them out there for you in hopes that no matter what platform that you're playing on, the odds are you're going to find at least a few players on here that are going to be available on your waiver wire and be useful to you. Remember, we don't put this in any particular order. So let's just start off with the names that I started off with the top. And that first name is Justin Jackson. He is, on average, 8% owned. So he should be widely available in a lot of your leagues. Now, Justin Jackson does not have standard value to me. So if you're in a standard scoring format, you can go ahead and pass on this. I wouldn't even bother. But if you're in half point and you're full point PPR... It is my belief, especially what we saw on Sunday, that Justin Jackson not only will be involved in this backfield, because I don't believe they're going to turn it over to Joshua Kelly and make him the bell cow back. It is my belief that Justin Jackson will be more involved on the passing side of things. That is where more of his skill set is, especially more so than Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly is more of that thunder to Justin Jackson's lightning, and I do believe that he's going to be involved. So as the main pass catcher, And on offense that right now still has Justin Herbert starting at quarterback. And as long as that is the case, the running back will be involved in the passing game to a decent amount. Justin Jackson at 8% owned is somebody that I'm looking at in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. Somebody that I can plug and play in the flex, plug and play as a buy, and get a decent floor out of. I believe he will be able to give you some return in that aspect. Now... He's not a huge name to go after. He still has to contend with Joshua Kelly. He's not going to find the end zone very often. So I'm not going to go crazy here on my fab budget. Maybe 5 to 10% in just hopes that nobody else wants to pay for him. Which very well could be the case. So don't go crazy. I'm not spending... If I have number... If I have a top three priority in my league, I'm not spending it on Justin Jackson. You might be able to get him after waivers even frankly clear. Or at least he's going to be the third claimed player that I'm going after altogether. But he's somebody who is of note who should be picked up, especially in those scoring formats because of the role that I believe will be awaiting him heading into this game. Remember, Joshua Kelly had a bad fumble. They did like Justin Jackson quite a bit before he got hurt. Had he not gotten injured at late in training camp right before the season started, we may not have seen Joshua Kelly come out in such force early on in the season. Keep that in mind. This was still a battle between the two until Justin Jackson got hurt just before the season started. So they do trust Justin Jackson to some degree here. So something to keep in mind. Giovanni Bernard, this is purely if you're a Joe Mixon owner. You saw what happened on Saturday. He popped up on the injury report for a chest issue. Still don't know where it came from. Still don't know what it was. Clearly didn't hinder him in any capacity in his game. But what it does show you is that Giovanni Bernard, we know that if Joe Mixon were to go down, he would be looking at a bell cow workload. I know people want to talk about Travion Williams. Travion Williams has not been involved at 
all in this offense at this point. Would he be the guy who spells Giovanni Bernard? Would he see six to eight touches? Yeah, most likely. But Bernard, with his passing attack ability especially, he is a must-own handcuff if you're a Joe Mixon owner. This past weekend proved to you why that is the case. So if you're a Joe Mixon guy and you have a bench spot available or you have somebody that you can drop, Giovanni Bernard is somebody that you should be looking at. But again, do it for free. Because if you're not the Joe Mixon owner, I can't imagine anybody really going after Giovanni Bernard. So you shouldn't have to spend anything for him, priority or fab budget-wise. Next guy I want to talk about, he's going to probably be my top streaming quarterback of the quarterbacks that we are talking about on this waiver wire report, and that is Teddy Bridgewater. He's only 9% owned, which I think is crazy because he's had a decent floor every single week, and week one he had 20 fantasy points. But going into next week, going into week five, he's playing against the Atlanta Falcons. Him and Robbie Anderson have had a great rapport. Robbie Anderson should be in a situation he can torch the Atlanta Falcons with ease, I would believe. So I expect big things out of this Panthers offense. I expect that game to be a borderline shootout, if not a full-on shootout. So I believe Teddy Bridgewater with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, the way Mike Davis has been playing, and Curtis Samuel, who maybe gets mixed in too, with all those weapons against the Atlanta Falcons, I believe he is somebody who definitely can be streamed and will be one of my top streamers heading into this week. At only 9% owned, if you're streaming quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater is the guy to go with here. Now, Scotty Miller, 11% owned. Remember, Scotty Miller, they're playing on a Thursday night game. Chris Godwin's definitely not going to play. We know that much. Mike Evans is banged up. He had the big week this past week, but you can definitely tell he's laboring out there. He is not close to being 100%. He is trying to just get through it and perform the best that he can. Scotty Miller looked good, and he redeemed himself from the poor stat line that he had earlier this season already when Chris Godwin was out of the lineup in week two and he didn't come through and perform. He proved that this upcoming week against Chicago Bears where you can attack them more so in the slot to begin with. Scotty Miller, I think, is somebody you could pick up, play him as a flex, play him as a wide receiver three, play him as a fill-in, especially if you're talking about PPR leagues. So he's somebody that I'm not going to spend a top priority on. I'll spend about 10% of my fat budget on. Because keep in mind here, after this week, Chris Godwin is supposed to come back. So you may just be using Scotty Miller for one more week. But if you're in a situation where you need a reliable wide receiver three or flex play, Scotty Miller could be that guy for you. Now, the next one I want to talk about is Alshon Jeffrey, 13% owned. At this point, if Alshon Jeffrey is available in your leagues, I would not spend fab. I would not spend a top priority on him. I would try to let him clear and pick him up on Wednesday. Because if he's still available at this point, I don't think people in your leagues are going to be in a rush to pick him up. Because there was the possibility that he was going to play last week. And that didn't wind up happening. But if the possibility came up that he was going to play last week, given the dire situation that is the Philadelphia Eagles receiving corpse right now, and they still didn't pick him up, then you can go ahead and pick him up for free. He's worth a roster ad. Somebody's going to have to emerge on a team that's going to have to come back from behind more times not, who's going to have to throw the ball more times not moving forward. And I still believe in what Carson Wentz is as a quarterback. So I feel good, I feel safe about the prospect of picking up Alshon Jeffrey and being able to have him as a wide receiver three long-term throughout the rest of this season. So there should be no reason why you can't find a bench spot for Alshon Jeffrey on your team. But again, this is a bit of strategy here. I don't like to spend my priority or my fab if I don't have to. And if he's not picked up by now, I don't think there's any guarantee that he will be. 
So kind of keep that in mind. He's thirteen. He's only 13% owned on average. Now, this next guy, he's a bit of a deep sleeper for me, but I actually kind of like this one a lot. That's Tim Patrick of the Denver Broncos. K.J. Hamler hurt his hamstring again last Thursday. So it's probably going to be at least a few weeks before he comes back. Tim Patrick actually looked pretty solid out there with Brett Ripon at quarterback. We know Cortland Sutton's gone for the year. Tim Patrick's a little bit more of a bigger body type of guy. He actually led the team in targets last week over Jerry Judy. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He is, look, he's a dart throw wide receiver for play. But when you're talking about all these injuries that we've had, when we're talking about the bye weeks coming up, if he's going to see a solid amount of volume just out of necessity, because there's no KJ Hamler, there's no Cortland Sutton, somebody else besides Jerry Judy, who's a rookie wide receiver, is going to have to catch the ball. Tim Patrick has had stretches in the past. You can get him for free. No one's going to spend fad budget. No one's going to spend a top priority on Tim Patrick. I believe you can get this guy, and he can be somebody that you might be able to actually plug into your lineups and get a solid floor out of in the right matchup. So, And he's only 1% owned, so he's 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 got to be out there for everybody. He's somebody I would have on my radar. Next guy I want to talk about is actually playing right now in this game, Brian Hill. Now, this is more dependent on whether or not we feel like coming out of the Monday night game that this is more of a committee or not, but... Regardless, if you're a Todd Gurley owner, if you're looking for a running back to hopefully stash for the future, might have some value, you want to get ahead of the curb, Brian Hill is a guy who has I have some interest in. I, again, another guy that I'm not spending a priority on, I'm not spending a fad budget on, but at 15% owned only, there's a chance being that Todd Gurley is no longer Todd Gurley. I don't think Brian Hill is ever going to outright just take over this job unless there's an injury to Todd Gurley. But this could become more and more of a committee, and if he continues to show that he's more explosive, he may be able to make those touches very, very even in a high-scoring offense. So that's why he has some value to me, some interest to me moving into uh, into the future. Not necessarily for this week, but just for a future stash play if you're looking along those lines. The next guy, this is going to be my number one waiver ad, and that's Damian Harris. He's also only 15% owned. Obviously, a lot of people, you know, staying away from the Patriots' backfield. He's been on the IR. Rightfully so. He should be widely available. But now that we've seen him come out for 100 yards, now we've seen how good he looks from a physical standpoint, and he looks like he is the superior Patriot running back, it would not surprise me if they actually wound up establishing this being Harris and James White. Not necessarily Rex Burkhead so much. No more J.J. Taylor. And frankly... I'm not really that worried about Sony Michelle coming back. If if Damien Harris looks as good as he did last night or tonight, as of recording this, I'm speaking to you on Tuesday, recording this Monday night, then I don't see a reason why they would go back and utilize Sony Michelle to a significant degree. It wouldn't make any sense. That time has passed. He's had his chance. He's been inefficient as the nice way to putting it, completely. Damian Harris, it's his time. I would suspect that he is going 
to be the guy moving forward, especially when it comes to the carries. So at 15% only owned, I think he's somebody's going to have long-term value. I'm going to spend, therefore, 25 to 30% of my fad budget, and I'm going to spend my top priority on Damian Harris. Because we're talking about somebody who legitimately might be an RB3 who could become an RB2 moving forward. Next up, talk about. We have Randall Cobb at 18% owned. Now, there's nothing sexy about Randall Cobb. And this is another one of those, if you need a wide receiver three, if you need a flex play that you can kind of plug in and be able to get a floor performance out of, that's what we're talking about with Randall Cobb. Really, the only reason he even makes my waiver wire report at all is because he's better or more involved than Brandon Cooks right now. Now, I actually buried the lead, and this just reminded me of it, and I can't believe it because sometimes we get so wrapped up in the fantasy aspect of things that we forget to actually talk about a little bit at least about the big NFL news. And the big NFL news on the day was that Bill O'Brien was fired today. Hallelujah. Rejoice, everyone. Deshaun Watson owners everywhere. Throw your hands up. Bill O'Brien is gone. Thank goodness. I could not watch that horrendous play calling anymore. But there's a caveat to that. Is this offense going to change now? I don't know that's going to be that's going to be the case. They didn't officially name an interim head coach, although it's expected to be Romeo Cornell. I don't know how much an offense can really change, at least in a drastic way, in the middle of the season. And as far as we know, only Bill O'Brien was fired, not the offensive coordinator who was formerly a defensive line coach who had been calling the plays for the first four weeks of the season. So I don't know what now, right now is going to change. But what I can say is this. Right now, you'd rather have Randall Cobb than Brandon Cooks. And right now, Houston's defense isn't going to get better because Bill O'Brien was fired. Is it still going to have to be a high-volume offense? They're still going to have to score in order to win games. Plain and simple. So Randall Cobb is somebody you can plug and play as a bi-week in injury fill-in right now, I think who has a decent floor in PPR leagues only. And again, I'm not spending anything on him. Same goes for Greg Ward. Greg Ward makes the list. He's 20% owned. The only reason Greg Ward is on here is if Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson both do not play in Week 5. If they don't play in Week 5, Greg Ward still had seven targets against the 49ers. He's still looking at a heavy volume. He has to be considered as a flex and wide receiver three in PPR leagues if he's going to continue to be the only wide receiver out there. It's not going to be fun. You can tell by the tone of my voice. I'm not excited about it, but he has to make this list as because of that. The next guy, Chase Edmonds. Now, like I said earlier in today's show, Kenyon Drake's going to be fine. He's going to play. But Chase Edmonds is a premium handcuff. 25% owned. That's it. He's a premium handcuff. You need you need to have Chase Edmonds if you're a Kenyon Drake owner. You have to. And I know the running game in general has not been great for Arizona. It wasn't great for them at the beginning of the year last year. Cliff Kingsbury did exactly what I expected him to, which is he reverted back to what he was calling last year, which is a lot of screens and a lot of wide-open formations and using Kyler Murray as a running game rather than the running back. And eventually he changed when they were losing ball games. Well, that's what's happened. So I'm not going to be surprised if they go back to maybe playing a little bit more conservatively, especially with DeAndre Hopkins banged up, playing a little more two tight ends, getting back to maybe getting that running game going. They're going to have to. 
It's also a big reason why I'm not worried about Kenyon Drake yet and why he's a buy-low candidate for me. But Chase Edmonds has to be owned. Kenyon Drake has never been the bell cow for a full 16-game season. I talked about this going into the year. It's why I was a little hesitant on being super high on Kenyon Drake like a lot of, like a lot of other people were. And Chase Edmonds can do everything. He would be the bell cow. He has to be owned if you're a Kenyon Drake owner. Or if you're somebody, if you're looking for stashes for possible futures, looking for lottery tickets, you're sitting there at 4-0, and 3-1, whatever the case may be, and you're like, hey, you know what? I have an extra roster spot. I want to take a, a, a lotto ticket on somebody who might really pay off big for me down the road that I can afford to have on my team right now. Chase Evans is that guy too. So go out there and get him. T. Higgins, 25% owned. This is the second week in a row. I talked about this in yesterday's recap show when we talked about the Bengals. This is the second week in a row that T. Higgins has played in front of A.J. Green. I'm not talking about targets. I'm not talking about receptions. I'm not talking about production. I'm talking about routes run. I'm talking about snap count. Second week in a row, he played ahead of A.J. Green. I don't know if that's going to continue. Zach Taylor was asked about it today. Are you going to get A.J. Green going? He's saying that A.J. Green is doing all the right things and they don't want to force targets. But to me, T. Higgins is earning the trust of Joe Burrow. He's earning the trust of that coaching staff. He's playing well. And he is somebody that, while I might not be super excited to play him this week necessarily, especially against the Baltimore Ravens, I am good with picking him up with the idea that he might turn into something for me down the road. So that's kind of how you have to look at it when it comes to uh, T. Higgins there. forgot what I was talking about for a second. (laughs) Next guy, he kind of falls in a similar mold. Now, with T. Higgins, I'm not spending fab on. I'm not spending a priority on. If he's still available at this point, he may continue to be so. And the reason I'm not going to do that is because T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, they're kind of in that same territory where I don't care which one I'd rather, which one I'd, I'd get. Neither one are somebody that I really want to play this week necessarily. Both are guys that I like the idea of what they could return to me down the road. Brandon Ayuk, we see him. He's gonna be if he's gonna be in this role where he gets to get these end arounds and kind of be involved in the game in multiple ways. Then he's somebody who's going to give you wide receiver three play with upside. Like I said, this past week against the Philadelphia Eagles, we did not see enough out of Debo Samuel to know exactly where he is at or what he is right now coming off that Jones fracture. So there's still a pathway where Brandon Ayuk could be the number one wide receiver for this team. Or having a similar rookie year to what Debo Samuel did last year. And he's only 26% owned. The fact that he was able to get involved in this Philadelphia Eagles game where he was seeing Darius Slay most of the time, which is why he did nothing in the passing game, and still find a way to get involved in different ways makes me feel like there's going to be a little bit of a floor when it comes to Brandon Ayuk. And it kind of gives you an insurance policy. So I'm not going to pay up for T. Higgins. I'm not going to pay up for Brandon Ayuk because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get one of them for free. Just a little strategy tip for you there. Next guy, Dalton Schultz. He didn't have like a huge week, but he was definitely involved. And he was definitely showing that what we saw this past week was more in the middle of what we had seen the previous two weeks of the high and the low. There's a role for the tight end in this offense, even with CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson, who all of a sudden is getting snap counts now. There's still a role for the tight end in this offense with Dak Prescott. Dalton Schultz is somebody who's going to fall into that top-end streaming territory of tight ends on a week-to-week basis, especially given the volume that the Cowboys are playing with right now in the passing game. Plain and simple. So he's 33% owned. 
if you're in tight end streaming situation, he is somebody that I'm looking at hard, especially in certain matchups moving forward. Next quarterback that I want to talk about, Ryan Tannehill, 37% owned. They're going to come back this week against the Buffalo Bills, a defense that has not really played up to an expectation at this point. Oh, and by the way, they do get A.J. Brown back this week. So because of that, I'm going to be okay with Ryan Tannehill and his possible floor and him being a streaming quarterback again. He's only 37% owned, and he's just another guy you can add to your list for the streaming quarterbacks. My last quarterback for for this week in the waiver wire report is Gardner Minshew at forty six percent owned. Has another great matchup upcoming this week. He from an NFL perspective, he didn't play very well last week. But from a fantasy perspective, all you have to do is continue to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, continue to have to come back from behind, to continue to have to throw the ball, which are all things that I expect to continue to happen. For Gardner Minshew to give you a high floor from a fantasy standpoint right now. Remember. Last week, from an NFL standpoint, didn't play very well. Still throw for about 350 yards. Still got two touchdowns over to DJ Chark. And I'm having trouble remembering who they're playing off the top of my head at the moment, but Gardner Minshew is somebody who's going to be a streaming quarterback for me this upcoming week. The last guy I want to talk about. I can't believe he's actually under 50% owned on average right now. It's probably more shocking to me than anything. That's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Coming in at 46% owned 46 percent owned marquez valdez scantling is a guy that with Devonte adams being banged up the way he is needs to be owned first of all alan has gone so he's automatically a wide receiver three with upside moving forward regardless of whether adams is on the field or not but with adams struggling with hamstring issues and i know that they had the buy this week which I think is a good thing because if you, if scaling's available on your waiver wire, you might be able to get him for free because he's going on bye week this week. But even with Adams on the field, he's an upside wide receiver three. And because Adams already struggling with a soft tissue issue, it's something that might not go away this season. And before we wrap up the show, uh, like I said, the, the Falcons-Green Bay game is going on as we're recording this. Julio Jones just got knocked out of the game because of a hamstring injury. So he, it sounds as though Julio Jones re-aggravated that hamstring issue that he sat out last week for, and he is out the rest of the game. So my, my immediate fantasy analysis to that is that he's probably going to miss the next couple of weeks now because of that. And if you have Russell Gage on your waiver wire, he didn't make our waiver wire report because he wasn't under 50% owned, but he's just over that cusp. If he's available on your waiver wire out there, make sure you go ahead and pick up Russell Gage moving forward. All right, so that is going to wind up wrapping up the show. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Hope you are able to attack the waiver wire report aggressively this week after this. Remember, we're going to be back on Thursday on our normal time slot from 12 to 1, but we are 12 to 1:30, excuse me, but we are going to be previewing all of the week 5 matchups from Thursday night all the way to Monday night. So we're going to be running through them. We're not going to have a mailbag segment, although you can still hit us up on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. Make sure you're checking us out on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The easiest way to listen is to download the app. On iOS, it's at WWSRN. On Android, it's Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the easiest way to listen or to watch. And, of course, you can always hit us up, like I said, at Show on Twitter and on Facebook. We're on there, too. And the rankings, as always, will be up either Wednesday night or Thursday morning on BellyUpFantasySports.com. I'm actually in the top 20 right now as far as Fantasy Nation Expert Accuracy Contest is going on. So I'm doing pretty good for you guys. 
So keep following us along. And we're going to speak to you guys again soon on Thursday. Good luck with your waiver wires. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.